Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you along again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, today in the news, we're talking about stepped-up basis. You may have heard of a move in Congress to get rid of stepped-up basis. What effect will that have on Texas farms and ranches? A report out this week from Texas A&M says it could be devastating. We'll have more on that coming up. Plus, we've got some late cotton going into the ground here in June. Is it too late to plant cotton? Is it worth the risk in the Texas panhandle at this late date? We'll try to answer that question as well. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Transpecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The West Texas Mesonet is already an important source of weather information for the Texas High Plains but the service it provides is getting even stronger. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Permitting process to manage black vulture predation on newborn livestock. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. There's a push in Congress right now to eliminate stepped-up basis when selling assets such as farmland. That would mean landowners would have to pay capital gains based on the original purchase price of the land. But a study released this week by the Texas A&M Agricultural and Food Policy Center says that could be devastating to most family farms and ranches. Dr. Bart Fisher worked on the study. He says they evaluated the proposal's impact on 94 different farms. So if you implement then uh, the, the STEP Act, the elimination of stepped-up basis, if you just do that, you know, eliminating stepped-up basis, uh, and then uh, the primary you know, farm operator and owner passes away, it would end up impacting 92 of our 94 representative farms. And the average impact is set with $726,000 per farm. So, you know, a huge, a huge number to go from not being impacted at all to averaging over 700000 uh, on 92 of our 94 farms. And the only reason two of them were not impacted is that they're entirely rented land. It's a couple of rice, of our representative rice farms in Texas on those particular farms that are mainly rented land. And so that's the only reason they weren't directly uh, directly impacted. But the average impact was 700000 uh, on 92 of our 94 farms. The study was requested by the ranking member of the Senate Agriculture Committee, John Bozeman of Arkansas, and the ranking member of the House Ag Committee, G.T. Thompson of Pennsylvania. We still have about 10% of the Texas cotton crop left to plant, and it's getting awfully late. Gerald Key runs the nation's largest cotton gin, Adobe Walls Gin in Spearman. He says we're taking a definite risk by planting this late. That's right. Maturity is always going to be the issue here. Do we have enough heat units, enough warm days to mature the cotton? 
You mm. can plant it June 20th, and you can still strip cotton, but the quality is going to be so bad it's hardly worthwhile. That's the whole deal with cotton. There's maturity makes quality, and if you don't have maturity, you don't have quality. USDA reported Monday that 88% of the Texas cotton crop was planted as of this past weekend. The West Texas Mesonet is an important source of weather information for High Plains farmers and ranchers, and it's getting even stronger. James Hunt tells how from Amarillo. As we've discussed in this series, the West Texas Mesonet, operated by Texas Tech University, is a very important weather information resource for the Texas High Plains. And for those who use the Mesonet regularly, good news. The plan is to continue making it even stronger. For one thing, West Texas Mesonet Operations Manager Wes Burgett says more data gathering sites are coming. I'd really like to fill in the northern panhandle. Right now, we have a pretty nice data network from uh, Amarillo, Lubbock to Midland, and then there's some holes as you head north in the northern panhandle, which we're trying to fill in. How many new panhandle sites will be added and where they'll be located is yet to be determined, but Burgett hopes to install sites in the Sunray area and near the Pantex plant soon. Meanwhile, faster technology is also being installed. From the individual stations, we are upgrading what they call a data logger. It's the brains behind the mesonet for each station. We've currently upgraded 30 of the 135. That allows us to sample very, very fast. So it's a lot more data coming in. It's about uh, at least five times more data than the old data loggers. Mesonet users also can expect to see design improvements on the webpage, hopefully by this fall, and along those same lines, Burgett says, A lot of people started using the Apple iOS app. That's where most of the farmers and their tractors are looking at it. And we're about ready to redo the Android app. It's been our oldest app, and we're actually developing it in-house, so I'm hoping to have that done by the end of the year. So we'll have a really nice iOS and Android app. So it sounds like the West Texas Mesonet will become even more useful and user-friendly in the years to come. And if by chance you have yet to see what it offers, simply use the words West Texas Mesonet to search for it online. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas livestock producers can now get a permit to protect livestock from black vultures. Jessica Domel visits with Mike Bodenchuk, state director of the Cooperative Texas Wildlife Program, about the permitting process. The Fish and Wildlife Service has granted a blanket permit to the Texas Wildlife Damage Management Association for black vulture management when vultures are killing livestock. That permit allows the association to give sub-permit status to livestock producers so that they can legally take up to five vultures in order to reinforce non-lethal harassment and to protect their livestock. The association sought out this permit. Why did they feel that this was needed? The traditional permitting process for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service can be long and and problematic for uh, producers. They have to apply online, they have to pay online, and there can be a 60 to 90 day wait, which for most people is too long. This permit will allow people to get a sub-permit in very quick order to the point that they can protect their own livestock. Black vultures are protected under the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. And that law prevents people from 
killing vultures or any other migratory bird without a permit. In the case of black vultures, a depredation permit can be obtained. You mentioned that the people can get the, the sub permit. How can they go about doing that if they are having a problem with black vultures intercepting or killing their newborn livestock? Livestock producers who are experiencing a problem can contact the Wildlife Services District offices. There, a biologist will take the information necessary to fill out what's called a WS Form 37. The Form 37 then becomes the application, which is circulated to the association, and the association can issue the permit usually within 48 hours. So I know that it's a limited permit. There can only be a taking of, what is it, 750 vultures? Yeah. So that's 150 livestock producers at five each. Do you guys think there will be allowances for more in the future if it continues to be a problem? Or are we holding hard at the 750 for now? We recognize that the permit is limited in numbers and there is a possibility it could be extended if there's more need. We also don't want people just taking out permits in case they need it. We want to triage those cases and make sure that the people who have the most problems can get a permit when they can. So our biologists will be talking to landowners and livestock producers about the extent of their problem, and the permit can be increased in the future if there's enough demand. I'm Jessica Dommel with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a new tool in the fight against feral hogs. We'll have more on that coming up. Plus, if you have a dog that seems to have a continual ear infection, Well, you're not alone. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will talk more about that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Well, if you have a dog that seems to have a continual ear infection, you are not alone. That seems to be a very common problem, especially in Dr. Bob Judd's vet clinic. It seems that almost weekly we have a client enter our office with a dog that has been treated over and over for ear infections. And even though the infections improve, they continually recur. Now, I'm not to tell you that I can treat all of these dogs better than other vets and cure all of these ear infections because I cannot. However, if your dog has a chronic ear infection, then just treating the ear with drops or ointments in the ear is not going to control the issue. First of all, you have to perform tests to determine the type of infection and then determine the correct medication to use. Secondly, you have to attempt to determine the underlying problem because if you do not control the underlying problem, the infection will recur. And lastly, you have to determine the amount of damage to the ear canal that has occurred and determine if the ear infection has spread to the middle or inner ear. If the ear canal has permanent damage, then surgery may be required to solve the issue. 
And many times the surgery may be less expensive than continuing to use ineffective treatments. And if the middle or inner ear is infected and not treated, the infection will recur. The reason many of these infections recur is that clients do not bring their dogs back to the vet for rechecks to determine if the infection is cleared and how to prevent recurrence. Many of these ear infections are allergy related and the treatment will be ineffective without controlling the allergy. So if you have one of these dogs that suffers with a chronic painful ear infection, ask your veterinarian about referral to a specialist. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Feral hogs constantly cause damage to wildlife habitat, and the problem is only getting worse. But Texans now have a new tool to help control the wild hog population. It's called Hog Stop. It's an all-natural feed bait that is made out of ingredients we feed to cattle, deer, every single day. And we just combined it in such a way to use it on feral hogs to make the boars uh, sterile. That's company founder Daniel Loper, who says the product was developed by his father, dairy nutritionist Dr. Dan Loper. So we dairied in Texas for about 23 years. And in the dairy industry, my dad's known for, uh, he's the guy that introduced mixer boxes and commodity barns to the dairy industry so dairymen could mix their own feed. He did that in the 70s. So my dad's been doing nutrition work and an innovator for 50 years now. And my dad, through his experience, knew that certain feeds impact fertility in animals. So he said, God, we could take this and we could use it towards feral hogs. Let's start looking at this. And then so we took those ideas, his experience, and put it all together and made this bait. A field study of hog stops showed that it reduced male hog fertility after five days of eating the feed bait, and it maintained fertility interruption for at least 30 days. Loper says they highly recommend you use a recommended feeder, which will keep other animals out of the bait. Loper says Hog Stop is produced in cooperation with High Pro Feeds. Uh, you can call and order it from them directly. Uh, they're going to stock it in some stores. I think they're going to aim to stock it in all their stores if it goes well. So you just have to contact High Pro directly. For more information, check out their website, hogstop.com. It started out as just a normal trading day on Thursday. Some markets were higher, some were lower. However, by the time it was all said and done, we had massive losses across the board in livestock, cotton, grains, and more. We'll take a look at all of the losses coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It seemed like somewhat of a scare in the commodity markets on Thursday. We ended up with losses across the board. Livestock, cotton, grain, energy, everything. Nothing seemed to be exempt. 
We'll start out as we usually do with the livestock markets. Cattle complex finishing lower June live cattle down 220 at 120.10. The August down 382, 121.10. October live cattle dropped 340 to close at 126.57. Feeder cattle market was lower, but not quite as low as the live cattle market. August feeders dropped 30 cents, 157.40. September feeders down 70 at 159.10. October down 62 cents, 160.70. Cash-fed cattle market saw some fairly active trade as we wrapped up the week selling cattle at 122 to 123 on a live basis. Most of those cattle went at 122. That's two bucks higher compared to last week. When we look up north, cattle on the rail went for 195 to 197. Boxed beef prices have been lower all week. Thursday, no exception. Choice was down 292, 326.25. Select down a dollar 66, 288.30. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle go to Beller, it's time to head to Abilene and talk to Henry Pickett about the sale he had on uh, Tuesday. Henry Pickett, how'd it turn out? Well, it turned out pretty good. We ended up with uh, 880 head with about 210 cows. Kind of the highlight of the deal. We had some replacement cow-calf pairs from out west. They were four- and five-year-olds. They bring anywhere from 1400 to 1750 and. They all went back to the country. That's good. That's good. Uh, I don't guess you've caught any moisture since we spoke last. Maybe a quarter in areas. Right. It's just these little thunderstorms pop up in the evenings, and right. that's what we've been getting. Your country's got to be green then. Oh, it's really good. It's starting to look good. That's good. That's good. So this will carry you through the summer, you think? It'll get close. You know, it gets off. It's already getting awful hot, so right. it'll have to give us a little bit along the way to keep us going well but as far as tank water and yeah. all that we're in great shape that's great do you, do you know of anything for next week oh uh, we had a call on a consignment they've been trying to get out for several weeks this possibility of uh, 80 to 100 cow calf pairs they'd be middle-aged uh, some of them probably go back to the country and some of them would probably have to split all right then a lot of people turning loose of some to kind of get some younger stuff in the pipeline or or what's going on in your country a lot of that, and then a lot of them just held them for that one more calf, one more calf. And there's right. a lot of cows coming to town. I understand. Well, the price, price makes you uh, think twice about it. So Yeah, this Packer deal's holding pretty steady right now. All right. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you in Abilene. Uh, here at the sale barn, we can be reached at 325-673-7865, and my cell number is 940-733-8208. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Texas farming and ranching neighbors, most of all, thank you for joining us here at the kitchen table for Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host. I'm Larry Marble. See you next time. Thanks, Larry. Now back over to these sharply lower commodity markets. Lean hogs put in a second day of limit down moves. We closed with July hogs down 450, 111 even. August hogs dropped 450 to close at 107.20. The milk market actually was mixed. About the only higher price I see on the board is June Class 3 milk. It was up a nickel, $17.30, but the July contract dropped 21 cents at $16.76 a hundredweight. The cotton market closing lower, triple-digit gains in a panicky selling. It looks like traders afraid of possible higher interest rates from the Federal Reserve 
and price clampdowns ordered by China. We close with July cotton down 116 points, 84.17. October cotton down 193, 84.73. December down 189 points, 84.06. A limit down move in the corn market. A lot of factors pushing corn limit down on Thursday. We're looking at a two-month high in the U.S. dollar. That could hurt exports. Also, concerns about changes in the U.S. biofuels policy and rain in the seven-day forecast for the Corn Belt. All of that making for a limit-down move in corn. July down 40 cents, 6.33. September corn down 40 cents, 5.48 and a half. December dropped 40 to close at 5.32 and a half. All of this bearishness spilled into the wheat market also, both hard and soft wheat closing lower. July Kansas City wheat down 25 and a half, 585 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down 23 and three quarters, 639 a bushel. We saw lower close in both rice and soybeans. July rice down 13, 1223 a hundred. September rice down 11. 1251 a hundredweight. The soybean market sharply lower. November beans dropped 90 and a half, closing at 1252 and three quarters. July soybean meal down 1770 to close at 361.50 a ton. In the energy markets, July natural gas was unchanged 324. July crude oil down a dollar twenty-six. 7089 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed. The Dow down 210, 33,823. The Nasdaq up 121 points, 14,161. The S&P down a point at 4,221. That wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. See you then, right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.